podcast uh, where we'll be discussing the gospel and marriage, uh, a really important and, and cool thing that, that the Lord has designed uh, as a gift to us and as a reflection of uh, the love between Christ and his church. Uh, so I'm going to start us off by reading uh, scripture, and then I'll kick it to John and Alex, and they'll have some scripture as well. So um, Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Ephesians 22, or sorry, 522 uh, says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Well, uh, we'll go over to um, John, and he'll kind of start talking us through this particular chapter. But uh, in case this is your first time with us, I'm Josh Hill, uh, and this is John Wiggins and Alex Cowan. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. And if you have any questions on this subject or if you find yourself uh, on another podcast in this series, we'd love to talk to you about any questions you might have. So feel free to shoot us an email or fill out the connection card on our website. You can find that in the video's description uh, of each of these videos. But uh, John, what do you want to talk about? So no question, this chapter and the next chapter, uh, sexual morality, mm -hmm. are going to be intricately linked together. Uh, but uh, we'll try to stay on topic, on particularly on marriage, uh, and and kind of look at some things that he talked about here. Uh, uh, Platt's going to do something significant and, and show right at the beginning the uh, the redefining of, of marriage uh, that our culture has done, uh, and um, you know he he kind of pigeons or points that back to you know the, the 2013 uh, Supreme Supreme Court rulings and so forth that resulted in uh, marriage being uh, not only between a man and a woman, but between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. So uh, <clears throat> um, that's where he talks about it. And he even alludes to the the kind of uh, the way that culture is responds to the idea that uh, the biblical definition is the only definition. And he says... Uh, um, that those who were opposed uh, to uh, that that traditional view of marriage, which is, I believe the biblical view of marriage, uh, were called bigots. You know, they were, uh, you know, demeaned, disparage, humiliate. They were called on page 133 enemies of the human race, mm -hmm. and that citation there, if you go in, in the Kennedy majority, if you go in. If you go to the back, that comes from the Supreme Court ruling. That's the it's 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 Kennedy's majority opinion. That's that's where that comes from, and the um, so that's fantastic that he thinks that way about us. Well, he's not on the court anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, on on the other side, Scalia and, and not to get into politics, but Scalia and Roberts, in the minority opinion, talked about how 
basically essentially what you do is you paint these people who hold this view as bigots and, and that's yeah you know. I was just I thought it was a little bit of hyperbole there from David Platt and then I went and checked the document he was citing it's actually it's the Supreme it's Court document yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> so just from from my point of view right we talk often we've talked through this entire series about um, you know, how culture defines something versus how we define something and how 9.9 .9 times out of 10, those things are going to be different, uh, if not on a macro level, on a micro level in the details of, of certain things. But I think what I see, you know, the idea that someone could redefine marriage to me is, is ludicrous because regardless of, of what a culture believes marriage is, if we believe that God ordained marriage, then God defines marriage, and God is not going to change his definition. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while it is disheartening, mm -hmm. and, and again, I think we would all say contrary to truth to define these things as a culture as marriage, um, I've never really understood why we got so up in arms about it. Not in defense of truth, I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like... Because the government doesn't get to define marriage, exactly. so therefore they can't define marriage. Right, so why do we care? You know what I mean? Like, not why do we care, but why are we so defensive about it? Because, like, the, the definition of marriage hasn't changed. It hasn't. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. And the mm -hmm. culture can believe whatever they want about it. And in the broken culture, we expect them to have broken definitions. You know? Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of where I've been on it for, for a long time. And, you know, I was pleasantly surprised reading Platt talking about, you know, he, he comes at it from a similar point of view, I think, in the sense that... Um, his expectation is that a broken culture has a broken definition. And he yeah. starts out the whole chapter with a definition of terms. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think, I think though, right after that, he's going to go to say definitions do matter because those definitions are going to provide different ends, uh, if you will. Like, for example, our culture is, uh, as we redefine marriage and, uh, and so forth, there's going to be some things that are going to be byproducts of that in our culture. You know, um, uh, you know, we're going to value the family less as being a you know a, a, a the, the the traditional and the kind of this biblical model of a, a man and a woman raising children and so forth. And so, like, how how is that going to impact society and our culture massively? Um, uh, I think. Um, and, you know, and he, he kind of hints at that just a little bit with this conversation, I think, about, um, you know, uh, marital union on the decline, just in general, uh, cohabitating couples on the increase, um, uh, you know. I, For me, I think it's, it's uh, as in this thing with a lot of things, um, the evangelical presence in the United States for a very long time, was content to allow the government to define these things for us so we didn't have to be as strong on them, right? And so the minute we say, and so, you know, it means that we have to work harder if the government changes what the cultural definition is. Because as long as the government and the church agree on what the definition of marriage is, the church is less responsible to model well, what that is. the church doesn't like. have to be countercultural. Exactly. <laughs> right, so, right, yeah. so, you know, when we talk about the sacredness of marriage and the importance of marriage, and then we see, 
you know, the divorce rate in the church was just as high as the divorce rate outside of the church mm-hmm. before 2013 yeah. or before this, this sure. comes yeah. out. You know, it, it means that for once we actually have to put our money where our mouth is. And that's, I think, an important thing to do. But you can understand why the culture gets frustrated. And it's like, okay, so now that we want to actually do something different, now mm-hmm. they're going to be up in arms about it. They never said anything about it before for years and years and years. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right. it's just a... Um, it's, it's interesting the responses as they change. And you hit the nail on the head. It's because as long as the church and the culture agree on something, we don't have to work as hard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the government doing these change in terms, um, the, this, under their, their authority to do that under the Supreme Court, um, regardless of that, is going to weaken the family. Mm-hmm. And the family is essential um, to our to our culture, to our, to our nation, to our, to our church. It is it, a lot of the f- problems we've seen so far, looking at poverty, abortion, sex, slavery, where do they all come from? A broken family, a broken family structure. Um, and with marriage rates declining, it's going to mean more kids being raised in single parent homes. It's going to mean more single moms. And these things are making it harder for us to break these cycles of poverty because um, think about it, when you're married, God, marriage is God's design. It's there for a reason. It's good for us. Mm-hmm. It's good for me to have a helper with me to help raise my kids. It's good for my wife to have a helper with her. Like we're mm-hmm. different, and we've got we mesh together as a team. And yeah. um, if I'm sick and I can't work, well, there's another income there. Or if my wife's sick and can't work, I can care for her. Um, I'm on the yeah, CDC, actually on the, the US Senate website here. Um, this is um, marriage rates in America by class. Only 26% of people in poverty are married, compared with 56 people who are middle and upper class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, I think the question really, I mean, I think that he offers here is, uh, most of them are pretty obvious. Is marriage really what we want it really that important? Sure it is. Um, but to get to the bottom, I think that's the, the most significant question that he asked on this page, particularly. It says, isn't it more wrong, uh, maybe even hateful, to deny two men or two women the right to love one another like this? Um, that's a big question there, uh, I, I think. Um, because it, it it's... Uh, He's gonna and he's gonna allude to it and kind of come back full circle in a little bit to that answer, uh, as he talks about not just the definition of what marriage is, mm-hmm. uh, but the significance to uh, the roles within a complementary relationship. Uh, and and when he does that, he's real intentional to to show that not, it's not just um, the men and women are equal. Yes, and and we, he talks about in what ways, uh, but they're not identical. And there's a reason for that. Um, and it's not just uh, sexual union. Uh, it's way more than that. And, um, and he alludes to that reality. Um, uh, you know, the, he says, um, let me see where he talks about that. Got, um, well, you, well, you're looking there, John. There's a, there's a word that he used there. He said, are we gonna deny them this right? Uh, that's an interesting language because mm-hmm. we don't have the right to define uh, 
we don't have the right to demand a good gift. Like it's given graciously to us. And when we think we have the right to um, order creation in the way we want it, what we're trying to do is make ourselves gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, he says only by nature. It's this command. You know, some of the commands even in scripture are only possible by virtue of peculiarity of the male and female. And, mm-hmm. and obviously, that that's speaking about Genesis one twenty eight, being fruitful and multiply and so forth. But but uh, <clears throat> going beyond that, um, it's uh, um, he goes into the intricacies of the relationship between a man and a woman in the context of marriage and talks about the even the significance of the gospel, how this is ultimately, this has been painted, this mosaic for this picture, has been painted for, uh, uh, for, for, for us to be a picture of the gospel of Christ and the church. And so, um, uh, and, and he, he's building on some of the responsibilities that are inherent within the, the man and, and some within for the, the woman in the context of the marriage union. Um, uh, he says, uh, I think, I don't know if you read this earlier, but said two dignified people molded in the image of the maker, two diverse people uniquely designed to complement each other, a male and female fashioned by God to form one flesh, a physical bond between two bodies where the deepest point of union is found at the greatest point of difference. Um, at mat- a matrimony marked by unity and diversity, equality with uh, variety, and personal satisfaction through shared consummation. Um, and so I think, yeah, for, for me, um, uh, the, the, there, there is some significance here. Maybe, maybe a, um, the, this headship, um, you know, this picture of the man being the head. Uh, a, a woman being in submission to her husband, a man being uh, willing to sacrificially love his, his wife, his bride, uh, those are setting up some responsibilities uh, that he is alluding to all throughout uh, here. Um, and those don't have to do with worth or value uh, or dignity, any of those things. Mm-hmm. All those are equal. Uh, but in, in terms of responsibility, in terms of uh, difference and uniqueness, peculiarity. Marty uses distinction. Mm-hmm. He says equal dignity does not eliminate distinction. Mm-hmm. So there's differences yeah. between men and women. Yeah, I, I thought um, I thought it was interesting. I, I wasn't a huge fan of one of his illustrations here. Now I was I was curious. Was there any illustration here in this section that you thought? Well, I don't know if I'd go with that one. The doctor one. Uh, let's see, doctor. Uh, which one's that? He's the one where the, the guy has, he's a doctor, he has the opportunity to move his practice and move his wife with him. Um, I didn't like that one. You didn't like that one? No, and the reason why is because... That wasn't the one. Keep going. <laughs> he was talking about... Let's um, uh, back here. The wife submitting to the husband as the husband displays sacrificial love. But there's nothing sacrificial about moving your wife across the country to take a job that you want. Like, that's, not <laughs> that's insane. Like, so I'm like, maybe, man. Like, I don't know. Come up with something better than that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. You know, that's that's funny. Yeah, that's the the Don here on 140. Is that right? No, that was. Oh, um, wait. What was that? That was. Uh, was Clint. Clint? Oh yeah, Clint. Yeah. Clint and Katie. 142. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Yeah. His, his wife was hesitant. She had a variety of concerns and questions about whether they should go. He listened to his wife, empathized, and addressed her questions with wisdom and care. After many discussions and much prayer, Clint believed God was leading them to move, and Katie supported his decision. Great, cool. Basically, she's just okay with them moving because he got a job. Like, to me, I, I don't feel like it's really good. <laughs> uh, so what was it, John? Yeah. Did? The emphasis there was supposed to be on the on the woman, I guess, uh, showing sure. the other side of it. Yeah. Uh, but maybe, maybe he took a pay cut for the sake of the gospel. You know, uh, that would be the the sacrificial, uh, some type of sacrificial element. You know, made it more appropriate for. Seems both. like that'd be a sacrifice for her too, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe on some level, yeah. <laughs> that one stuck uh, out to me. Sorry, what's the one you didn't like? Um, no, that was, uh, um, yeah, that, the one I I, I think. For me, I thought it was interesting that he talked about submission in the context of, of children, a parent relationship, and, and kind of was almost pushing that over as being the picture of, of he said, a woman uh, in response to her husband. He said, my children are submissive, submissive to me. Uh, that's a good thing because I love them, care for them, and protect them. I think mm-hmm. that was his question. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I don't, I, I just didn't, I don't know, I don't think about, uh, I think the parent child relationships way very different from the husband wife relationship equating equating submission and obedience is a different thing i think you know i think that's what there's a little bit of that kind of tinged in there yes yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um i really liked when he was talking about uh, the pendulum um how very often sadly um the pendulum swings to either end of either a emotionally vacant husband who is physically present but is not caring for the emotional or spiritual needs of his wife yeah to the other end the other end of the spectrum is an abusive husband yeah. mm-hmm. and so often in our churches we see both ends of that spectrum when we hear of couples who are going through um really hard times you either have a wife saying oh my my husband's just he's, he's abusive or the other end i just can't get him to care there, you know, and, and the phrase he uses for the one who doesn't care is spineless abdication. And mm-hmm. I think that is just perfect. Spineless abdication. The refusal to stand up and take care of the wife says, which she needs to be taken care of. He said, this attitude is found in men who decided to marry, but also men who have ignored marriage altogether. I'm talking about men in their 20s and 30s who dwell in perpetual adolescence. that revolves solely and selfishly around them and what they do. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of sacrificial love on that, is there? It's the guy who works part-time while he plays video games the rest of the time, leaning on his parents or others in the church to help him pay his bills. He's trying to find himself, which means he doesn't take responsibility for himself, and he's certainly not willing to take responsibility for anyone else. Oof. Oof. <laughs> yeah, those are the Set on the fence there, <laughs> But that's why marriage rates are dropping because our adolescence is being pushed longer. Mm-hmm. And more yeah. more young men, when we talk about having positions of leading in the home, yeah. aren't prepared to lead themselves, let alone anyone else. Yeah. Let, me, let me go back, let me rewind just a little bit before we move all the distortions. I, 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 my question would be, um, and I'll let you guys answer this. So, so help, help people to know what submission and headship means. Um, does it mean to yield to another in love? Is that what submission means? Is that, 
Um, I, th- I think sometimes we try to soften words so much that we dilute them to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and other times we, we you know, um, we're, we're, you know, slamming a def- definition down and saying this is the way it is and it, these are the best words, you know. Like, I, I remember, let me give a practical illustration. There was a wedding I did one time and the bride was hesitant about the word submit to your husband. And... For me, that's, I'm sorry, but that's the word I'm going to use. Why? Because it's a Bible word, right? I mean, it's from Scripture, you know? And I don't care what the culture says um, about how they're going to hear my sermon. My sermon is to be faithful to the text of Scripture, you know? And um, I, do, I do want them to, I do want it to bridge over in the sense that they understand the gospel clearly. But like uh, the definitions of those words, I'm going to have to cling to the definitions that I, I am convinced of based on Scripture, and I'm going to say it how Scripture says it. That's going to be faithful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think submission is a good word. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I think we, we don't do ourselves a favor when we, when we dissolve that word, you know, to being um, uh, something that it's not. Um, because it's a picture of Christ in the church. Right. So uh, when we have headship and submission, where the, the man is the, the head, it's a picture of Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And the, the woman's picture is a picture of the church. Yes. Um, and when women are submitting and loving and caring for their husbands, it's a sign of the church and a picture of the church loving and submitting to Christ in his way. Yeah, even thinking that that woman, maybe in the doctor story, was that was a negative picture. She's weak. Like, I think that's what he was kind of alluding to. Like, people look at that situation and go, oh, she's weak. Um, because she just did what her husband said to do, you know? Um, the picture there is is one of submission. I mean, it is. Like, it is saying, hey, look, um, you're, you're the head. You're the leader of our home. Um, and uh, I'm going to yield to... Uh, you out of love for you and out of respect for you, um, and, and uh, even if even if even if they're like it's not what I see is is the best thing, you know. Um, uh, I'm still gonna take on the role of submission there in in that in that picture, and 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 that I think headship gets such a bad rap because it, of of the things that you're talking about yes. of of the ends. Of where it leads, which is distortions, you know. That's why it's a like, great responsibility on us as men too. Yeah, if that man well, didn't listen, if he didn't have a conversation. Well, if everyone submits to something, and everyone follows the headship of something. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, men, women, everyone does those two things. Mm-hmm. The question is, what are we going to say to ourselves? Are going to be those things? Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to, as a man, submit to the headship of Christ? Am I, as the leader of my home, going to follow the leadership of Christ? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, that's a decision that I have to make. And, and subsequently, a, a godly wife does the same thing. They say, am I going to submit to Christ? Am I going to submit to the, the headship of Christ? Well, what Christ has said in Scripture is that submitting to Christ looks like submitting to the headship the godly headship of your husband. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Ply even talks about it in the picture of the Trinity itself mm-hmm. and God the Son. Yeah, right. Um, like this isn't negative. The Son submits no, to the Father, right? I mean, yeah, here's John yeah. 4, 34. Mm-hmm. And my, this is Jesus speaking, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That was the first plot. You Sounds did. like a helpmate. Yeah. I mean, to help him accomplish the will, uh, you know, his will. I mean, like... Equal, but distinct. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Adam and Eve, yeah, Adam's unable to sort of tend to the land. Mm-hmm. He needs a helper. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was not good that he was alone. Think mm-hmm. about that in a sinless world. Wasn't good. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. The thought of something mi- being missing from a sinless world. Yeah. I think God said it that way for Adam to see that so he would cherish Eve all the more when Absolutely. she did come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, we live in a culture also where divorce is becoming more cultural. So the idea of being in a marriage until death do you part is becoming more and more countercultural mm-hmm. for us as for us as Christians. Um, and more and more you hear people saying, well, you know, we were married for five or six years, but you know, we got the seven year itch and uh, we just weren't happy anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the picture of marriage is a lot more about our happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The longer that you speak to people who have been married for years and years and years, you see that marriage is sometimes very difficult. There's sometimes seasons in marriages where it's not happy, it's really hard. And what keeps you going through that moment is that commitment and that love. Um, Not the idea that love is an emotion, because emotions change, but the idea of that commitment to your spouse. That even through really hard times, even when it's difficult even when some of those warm, fuzzy feelings have maybe gone away, that you've made a commitment to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, uh, you know, in this biblical picture of marriage, mm-hmm. you do, at the end of the day, uh, have something that is, that is far more beautiful mm-hmm. uh, than what the, the culture has to offer. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the culture has thinks that it has to offer something better uh, in 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 terms of marriage uh, and and in terms of even even the it's very counter to to be complementary. It's very counter to say there's roles within this marriage union. I mean uh, that that a man's role is peculiar to a woman's. You know, I mean that that in and of itself is somewhat frowned upon, even in some Christian circles. So uh, I think it's significant uh, that. When, when you really start to think about how, um, how this ultimate means of glorifying the Lord, how, uh, how God has designed this, and, and not just designed it in the in context of it's, it's this anomaly, marriages, like over here. No, no, no. Like, it's a part of the gospel picture. Like, the, the gospel like, is, is painting uh, this, this uh, portrait, and it is, it is going to be a portrayal of that. You know, it's going to parallel that picture of Christ in the church. I mean, that's... It's two, pretty amazing. Two people coming together, warts and all, loving each other, mm-hmm. sacrificing to each other. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You know, we're broken people. And our spouses have issues and we have issues. And it's that sacrificial love that's going on all the time that makes it work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It talks about, last thought here, uh, kind of... Um, it, it, it mentions, uh, 
this this element of kind of how there's different needs within the context of those roles and uh, you know for a man uh, for a man to be respected and for a wife to be loved and, and cherished and so forth mm-hmm. and so there's a there's kind of a uh, a section a little bit. Is that where he says it's easier for a woman to mm-hmm. love her husband than respect him, and it's easier for a husband to respect his wife than to love her. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, you think? Uh, I mean, obviously, scripture does. I mean, that, that's what scripture says in Ephesians five too. The one I, I read kind of to close there. There was a one thing he was talking. The example he gave. I think it was the woman was like speaking with her friends, and she was kind of like joking about her husband. She didn't really respect him, but she went home and loved him. And it just reminded me a piece of advice that was given during my marriage counseling, and it was always speak of your wife as if she's in the room. Mm-hmm. Always speak of your wife as if she's in the room. Never speak badly behind her back. Never put her down. Always like treat her honorably as if she's there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and when I when I heard that, I thought it was a reminder. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it goes back to that picture of the gospel, and and you know, I always talk about um, in marriage counsel. One thing I always mention is is this uh, significance. I think it was um, here at the end where it says, uh, um, "Man, uh, here we go." Um, you know, kind of how how we respond to our spouse is not dependent upon their uh, their actions or their affections toward me, but it's uh, because of what Christ has done for me. Like, uh, if we're harsh with our wives, we will show the world that Christ is cruel uh, with His people. If we ignore our wives, we'll show the world that Christ wants nothing to do with His people. But if we uh, if we uh, if we leave them, if we leave our wives, we'll show the world that Christ deserts His people. And that's obviously not a picture. None of those of what we want to do. Uh, you know, in terms of our relationship to Christ uh, um, and certainly not what we what we want to do as as husbands you know uh, we want to love uh, our spouse um, and be able and, and and by God's grace love them when they're they're unloving to us um, mm-hmm. and um, you know not it's not love is not something that's just given when it's deserved you know it's, it's undeserved um, the crux of the gospel is that it's given when it wasn't deserved yeah mm-hmm. I think when we when we talk, come to this sort of application or some applications, there was a question that um, Platt said that he asked his wife. And it was, how can I love you and be a better leader in our marriage? And that's a really random question, just ask your wife on the couch or driving along the road. Yeah. But it's actually a really good question because what it shows your wife is you really care. Because you don't ask that question unless you do because you might hear some things you don't want to hear. But it's a, it's a good question. I think men watching, it's a good question to, to ask. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that, that I thought was is just... Flip side of that, practical for the women, though, I think would be, you know, the, just the opposite of that. Um, how can I love and uh, submit to you in our marriage? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a good biblical yep. uh, question for a woman to ask for husband. And then here is a co-ed application point. Pursue each other. Like... In marriage, just pursue each other. Just pursue your wife so your just focus and your attention is on her. Because in most of the time when you do marriage counseling or you hear couples where things have sort of gone cold or emotionless, it's just, they just stopped. It began with them stopping pursuing each other. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Make your wife your, your desire, the one who you pursue. So you don't have time to pursue anyone else because you're just crazy about your wife. Mm-hmm. You know, women, make yeah. your husband your desire and your, and your pursuit. Mm-hmm. So no one else can catch your eye. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, just pursue and, each other. And make that your prayer, too. Yeah. You know, ask the Lord to give you a renewed sense of pursuit, a renewed sense of passion towards your spouse, because that's something that is glorifying of the Lord. When you think of older couples who are godly couples, they pursue each other. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that, you know, kind of reminds me of a couple in our church, uh, a, couple, a couple of couples, two couples uh, in our church. You know, uh, when I came to the church, there were uh, two couples uh, that, that come to mind that, you know, really, when he talked about the couple that the, the husband who, who loved his wife in the midst of a very difficult run with cancer, uh, I think about uh, two men, uh, larger men, uh, Marvin and Linville. You know who, who, uh, um, whose wives had dementia. You know uh, for significant amount of time. You know more than longer than the time he mentioned uh, that this lady had cancer and just man. I mean, beginning of ministry here at Scotland, got to see these men love their wives. You know for years uh, when um, very difficult for them to love them. Uh, you know, and, and care for them and protect them and all the things and, and how they did it faithfully and never, com- never, never, never complaining. I mean, and that never, uh, you know, um, just just unwaveringly loving and committed to those women and to care for them and for their good. Uh, it was it really spoke to me, uh, my own heart, um, uh, as I was thinking about, you know, what what that looks like to really. Uh, on that wedding day, say say I do. What what am I saying I do to? Well, I'm saying I do in this moment to the woman that's standing before me, but I'm also saying I do to the woman who will be with me in ten to fifteen to twenty years down the road. No matter what she she looks like or talks like or whatever, right? I'm committed to this woman. No matter how she loves me back, um, you know, like this is the commitment that I'm making to uh, my wife, and that is what a biblical picture of marriage I think looks like is one. Uh, that is that kind of picture. I think, I think that's why it's so beautiful. I think that's why it's so beautiful. Uh, because marriage has, has a depth to it that uh, within context of Christianity and the gospel that, uh, yeah, that you don't see elsewhere. So. That's right. That's true. Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening and tuning in today. Uh, again, as always, if you have any questions, we'd love to talk to you about anything that we've discussed today a little more in depth. Just connect with us through our website or send us an email. Uh, but until we see you again, we love you.